Chapter 14, Section 3 of Capital, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Capital A Critical Analysis of Capitalist Production, Volume 1, by Karl Marx. Translated from the Third German Edition by Samuel Moore and Edward Aveling and edited by Friedrich Engels. Part 4. Production of Relative Surplus Value. Chapter 14. Division of Labor and Manufacture. Section 3. The Two Fundamental Forms of Manufacture. Heterogeneous Manufacture, Serial Manufacture. The organization of manufacture has two fundamental forms which, in spite of occasional blending, are essentially different in kind, and, moreover, play very distinct parts in the subsequent transformation of manufacture into modern industry carried on by machinery. This double character arises from the nature of the article produced. This article either results from the mere mechanical fitting together of partial products made independently, or owes its completed shape to a series of connected processes and manipulations. A locomotive, for instance, consists of more than 5,000 independent parts. It cannot, however, serve as an example of the first kind of genuine manufacture, for it is a structure produced by modern mechanical industry. But a watch can and William Petty used it to illustrate the division of labor in manufacture. Formerly, the individual work of a Nuremberg artificer, the watch has been transformed into the social product of an immense number of detail laborers, such as mainspring makers, dial makers, spiral spring makers, jeweled hole makers, ruby lever makers, hand makers, case makers, screw-makers, gilders, with numerous subdivisions, such as wheel-makers, brass and steel separate, pin-makers, movement-makers, achiveur de pignon, fixes the wheels on the axles, polishes the facets, etc., pivot-makers, planteur de finissage, puts the wheels and springs in the works, finisseur de perrier, cuts teeth in the wheels, makes the holes of the right size, etc., escapement makers, cylinder makers for cylinder escapements, escapement wheel makers, balance wheel makers, raquette makers, apparatus for regulating the watch, the plantor d'échappement, escapement maker proper, then the rapasseur de barrier, finishes the box for the spring, etc., steel polishers, wheel polishers, screw polishers, figure painters, dial enamelers, melt the enamel on the copper, fabricant de pantin, makes the ring by which the case is hung, finisseur de charnière, puts the brass hinge in the cover, etc., faiseur de cigrette, puts in the springs that open the case, graveur, chiseleur, polisseur de bois, etc., etc., and last of all, the repasseur, who fits together the whole watch 
and hands it over in a going state. Only a few parts of the watch pass through several hands, and all of these membra disjecta come together for the first time in the hand that binds them into one mechanical whole. This external relation between the finished product and its various and diverse elements makes it, as well in this case as in the case of all similar finished articles, a matter of chance, whether the detail laborers are brought together in one workshop or not. The detail operations may further be carried on like so many independent handicrafts, as they are in the cantons of Vaud and Neuchâtel, while in Geneva there exist large watch manufactories where the detail laborers directly cooperate under the control of a single capitalist. And even in the latter case, the dial, the springs, and the case are seldom made in the factory itself. To carry on the trade as a manufacturer, with concentration of workmen, is, in the watch trade, profitable only under exceptional conditions, because competition is greater between the laborers who desire to work at home, and because the splitting up of the work into a number of heterogeneous processes permits but little use of the instruments of labor in common, and the capitalist, by scattering the work, saves the outlay on workshops, etc. Footnote. In the year 1854, Geneva produced 80,000 watches, which is not one-fifth of the production in the canton of Neuchâtel. La Chaux-de-Fonds alone, which we may look upon as a huge watch manufactory, produces yearly twice as many as Geneva. From 1850 to 1861, Geneva produced 720,000 watches. See Report from Geneva on the Watch Trade in Reports by H's Secretaries of Embassy and Legislation on the Manufacture, Commerce, etc., No. 6, 1863. The want of connection alone between the processes into which the production of articles that merely consist of parts fitted together is split up makes it very difficult to convert such a manufacture into a branch of modern industry carried on by machinery. But in the case of a watch, there are two other impediments in addition. The minuteness and delicacy of its parts and its character as an article of luxury. Hence their variety which is such that, in the best London houses, scarcely a dozen watches are made alike in the course of a year. The watch manufactory of Messieurs Vacheron and Constantine, in which machinery has been employed with success, produces at the most three or four different varieties of size and form. End footnote. Nevertheless, the position of this detail laborer who, though he works at home, does so for a capitalist, manufacturer, établisseur, is very different from that of the independent artificer who works for his own customers. Footnote. In watchmaking, that classical example of heterogeneous manufacture, we may study with great accuracy the above-mentioned differentiation and specialization of the instruments of labor caused by the subdivision of handicrafts. End footnote. The second kind of manufacture, its perfected form, produces articles that go through connected phases of development 
through a series of processes step by step, like the wire in the manufacture of needles, which passes through the hands of seventy-two and sometimes even ninety-two different detail workmen. Insofar as such a manufacture, when first started, combines scattered handicrafts, it lessens the space by which the various phases of production are separated from each other. The time taken in passing from one stage to another is shortened. So is the labor that effectuates this passage. Footnote. Quote, in so close a cohabitation of the people, the carriage must needs be less. Unquote. The Advantages of the East India Trade, page 106. End footnote. In comparison with a handicraft, productive power is gained, and this gain is owing to the general cooperative character of manufacture. On the other hand, division of labor, which is the distinguishing principle of manufacture, requires the isolation of the various stages of production and their independence of each other. The establishment and maintenance of a connection between the isolated functions necessitates the incessant transport of the article from one hand to another, and from one process to another. From the standpoint of modern mechanical industry, this necessity stands forth as a characteristic and costly disadvantage, and one that is imminent in the principle of manufacture. Footnote. Quote, the isolation of the different stages of manufacture consequent upon the employment of manual labor adds immensely to the cost of production, the loss mainly arising from the mere removals from one process to another. Unquote. The Industry of Nations, London, 1855, Part 2, page 200. End footnote. If we confine our attention to some particular lot of raw materials, of rags, for instance, in paper manufacture, or of wire in needle manufacture, we perceive that it passes in succession through a series of stages in the hands of the various detail workmen until completion. On the other hand, if we look at the workshop as a whole, we see the raw material in all the stages of its production at the same time. The collective laborer, with one set of his many hands armed with one kind of tools, draws the wire. With another set, armed with different tools, he, at the same time, straightens it. With another, he cuts it. With another, points it, and so on. The different detail processes, which were successive in time, have become simultaneous, go on side by side in space. Hence, production of a greater quantum of finished commodities in a given time. Footnote. Quote, it, the division of labor, produces also an economy of time by separating the work into its different branches, all of which may be carried on into execution at the same moment. By carrying on all the different processes at once, which an individual must have executed separately, it becomes possible to produce a multitude of pins completely finished in the same time as a single pin might have been either cut or pointed. Unquote. To Gold Stewart, page 319. End footnote. This simultaneity, it is true, 
is due to the general cooperative form of the process as a whole. But manufacture not only finds the conditions for cooperation ready to hand, it also, to some extent, creates them by the subdivision of handicraft labor. On the other hand, it accomplishes this social organization of the labor process only by riveting each laborer to a single fractional detail. Since the fractional product of each detail laborer is, at the same time, only a particular stage in the development of one and the same finished article, each laborer, or each group of laborers, prepares the raw material for another laborer or group. The result of the labor of the one is the starting point for the labor of the other. The one workman, therefore, gives occupation directly to the other. The labor time necessary in each partial process for attaining the desired effect is learnt by experience, and the mechanism of manufacture as a whole is based on the assumption that a given result will be obtained in a given time. It is only on this assumption that the various supplementary labor processes can proceed uninterruptedly, simultaneously, and side by side. It is clear that this direct dependence of the operations, and therefore of the laborers, on each other, compels each one of them to spend on his work no more than the necessary time, and thus a continuity, uniformity, regularity, order, and even intensity of labor, of quite a different kind, is begotten than is to be found in an independent handicraft, or even in simple cooperation. Footnote. Quote, the more variety of artists to each manufacture, the greater the order and regularity of every work. The same must needs be done in less time, the labor must be less. Unquote. The advantages, etc., page 68. End footnote. The rule that the labor time expended on a commodity should not exceed that which is socially necessary for its production appears, in the production of commodities generally, to be established by the mere effect of competition, since, to express ourselves superficially, each single producer is obliged to sell his commodity at its market price. In manufacture, on the contrary, the turning out of a given quantum of product in a given time is a technical law of the process of production itself. Footnote. Nevertheless, the manufacturing system, in many branches of industry, attains this result but very imperfectly, because it knows not how to control with certainty the general chemical and physical conditions of the process of production. End footnote. Different operations take, however, unequal periods, and yield, therefore, in equal times, unequal quantities of fractional products. If, therefore, the same laborer has, day after day, to perform the same operation, there must be a different number of laborers for each operation. For instance, in type manufacture, there are four founders and two breakers to one rubber. The founder casts 2,000 type an hour, the breaker breaks up 4,000, and the rubber polishes 8,000. Here we have again the principle of cooperation in its simplest form. 
the simultaneous employment of many doing the same thing. Only now, this principle is the expression of an organic relation. The division of labor, as carried out in manufacture, not only simplifies and multiplies the qualitatively different parts of the social collective laborer, but also creates a fixed mathematical relation, or ratio, which regulates the quantitative extent of those parts, that is, the relative number of laborers, or the relative size of the group of laborers, for each detail operation. It develops, along with the qualitative subdivision of the social labor process, a quantitative rule and proportionality for that process. When once the most fitting proportion has been experimentally established for the numbers of the detail laborers in the various groups when producing on a given scale, that scale can be extended only by employing a multiple of each particular group. Footnote. Quote, when, from the peculiar nature of the produce of each manufactory, the number of processes into which it is most advantageous to divide it is ascertained, as well as the number of individuals to be employed, then all other manufactories which do not employ a direct multiple of this number will produce the article at a greater cost. Hence arises one of the causes of the great size of manufacturing establishments. Unquote. C. Babbage, On the Economy of Machinery, 1st edition, London, 1832, chapter 21, pages 172 to 73. End footnote. There is this to boot, that the same individual can do certain kinds of work just as well on a large as on a small scale. For instance, the labor of superintendents, the carriage of the fractional product from one stage to the next, etc. The isolation of such functions, their allotment to a particular laborer, does not become advantageous till after an increase in the number of laborers employed. But this increase must affect every group proportionally. The isolated group of laborers to whom any particular detail function is assigned is made up of homogeneous elements and is one of the constituent parts of the total mechanism. In many manufactures, however, the group itself is an organized body of labor, the total mechanism being a repetition or multiplication of these elementary organisms. Take, for instance, the manufacture of glass bottles. It may be resolved into three essentially different stages. First, the preliminary stage, consisting of the preparation of the components of the glass, mixing the sand and lime, etc., and melting them into a fluid mass of glass. Footnote. In England, the melting furnace is distinct from the glass furnace, in which the glass is manipulated. In Belgium, one and the same furnace serves for both processes. End footnote. Various detail laborers are employed in this first stage, as also in the final one of removing the bottles from the drying furnace, sorting and packing them, etc. In the middle, between these two stages, comes the glass melting proper, the manipulation of the fluid mass. At each mouth of the furnace there works a group called the whole, consisting of one bottle maker or finisher, 
one blower, one gatherer, one putter up or wetter off, and one taker in. These five detail workers are so many special organs of a single working organism that acts only as a whole, and therefore can operate only by the direct cooperation of the whole five. The whole body is paralyzed if but one of its members be wanting. But a glass furnace has several openings, in England from four to six, each of which contains an earthenware melting pot full of molten glass, and employs a similar five-membered group of workers. The organization of each group is based on division of labor, but the bond between the different groups is simple cooperation, which, by using in common one of the means of production, the furnace, causes it to be more economically consumed. Such a furnace, with its four to six groups, constitutes a glass house, and a glass manufactory comprises a number of such glass houses, together with the apparatus and workmen requisite for the preparatory and final stages. Finally, just as manufacture arises in part from the combination of various handicrafts, so too it develops into a combination of various manufacturers. The larger English glass manufacturers, for instance, make their own earthenware melting pots because, on the quality of these depends, to a great extent, the success or failure of the process. The manufacture of one of the means of production is here united with that of the product. On the other hand, the manufacture of the product may be united with other manufacturers, of which that product is the raw material, or with the products of which it is itself subsequently mixed. Thus we find the manufacture of flint glass combined with that of glass cutting and brass founding, the latter for the metal settings of various articles of glass. The various manufacturers so combined form more or less separate departments of a larger manufacture, but are at the same time independent processes, each with its own division of labor. In spite of the many advantages offered by this combination of manufacturers, it never grows into a complete technical system on its own foundation. That happens only on its transformation into an industry carried on by machinery. Early in the manufacturing period, the principle of lessening the necessary labor time in the production of commodities was accepted and formulated, and the use of machines, especially for certain simple first processes that have to be conducted on a very large scale and with the application of great force, sprang up here and there. Footnote. This can be seen from W. Petty, John Bellers, Andrew Yarrington, The Advantages of the East India Trade, and J. Vanderlint, not to mention others. End footnote. Thus, at an early period in paper manufacture, the tearing up of the rags was done by paper mills, and in metal works, the pounding of the ores was effected by stamping mills. Footnote. Towards the end of the 16th century, mortars and sieves were still used in France for pounding and washing ores. End footnote. The Roman Empire had handed down the elementary form of all machinery 
in the water wheel. Footnote. The whole history of the development of machinery can be traced in the history of the corn mill. The factory in English is still a, quote, mill, unquote. In German technological works of the first decade of this century, the term Mühle is still found in use, not only for all machinery driven by the forces of nature, but also for all manufactures where apparatus in the nature of machinery is applied. End footnote. The handicraft period bequeathed to us the great inventions of the compass, of gunpowder, of typeprinting, and of the automatic clock. But, on the whole, machinery played that subordinate part which Adam Smith assigns to it in comparison with division of labor. Footnote. As will be seen in more detail in the fourth book of this work, Adam Smith has not established a single new proposition relating to the division of labor. What, however, characterizes him as the political economist par excellence of the period of manufacture is the stress he lays on division of labor. The subordinate part, which he assigns to machinery, gave occasion in the early days of modern mechanical industry to the polemic of Lauderdale, and, at a later period, to that of Ure. Adam Smith also confounds differentiation in the instruments of labor, in which the detail laborers themselves took an active part, with the invention of machinery. In this latter, it is not the workmen in manufactories, but learned men, handicraftsmen, and even peasants, according to Brindley, who play a part. End footnote. The sporadic use of machinery in the 17th century was of the greatest importance, because it supplied the great mathematicians of that time with a practical basis and stimulant to the creation of the science of mechanics. The collective laborer, formed by the combination of a number of detail laborers, is the machinery specially characteristic of the manufacturing period. The various operations that are performed in turns by the producer of a commodity, and coalesce, one with another, during the progress of production, lay claim to him in various ways. In one operation he must exert more strength, in another more skill, in another more attention, and the same individual does not possess all these qualities in an equal degree. After manufacture has once separated, made independent, and isolated the various operations, the laborers are divided, classified, and grouped, according to their predominating qualities. If their natural endowments are, on the one hand, the foundation on which the division of labor is built up, on the other hand, manufacture, once introduced, develops in them new powers that are by nature fitted only for limited and special functions. The collective laborer now possesses in an equal degree of excellence all the qualities requisite for production, and expends them in the most economical manner, by exclusively employing all his organs, consisting of particular laborers, or groups of laborers, in performing their special functions. Footnote. 
quote, The master manufacturer, by dividing the work to be executed into different processes, each requiring different degrees of skill or of force, can purchase exactly that precise quantity of both which is necessary for each process. Whereas, if the whole work were executed by one workman, that person must possess sufficient skill to perform the most difficult, and sufficient strength to execute the most laborious of the operations into which the article is divided. Unquote. Charles Babbage, Chapter 19 End footnote. The one-sidedness and the deficiencies of the detail laborer become perfections when he is part of the collective laborer. Footnote. For instance, abnormal development of some muscles, curvature of bones, etc. End footnote. The habit of doing only one thing converts him into a never-failing instrument, while his connection with the whole mechanism compels him to work with the regularity of the parts of a machine. Footnote. The question put by one of the inquiry commissioners, how the young persons are kept steadily to their work, is very correctly answered by Mr. William Marshall, the general manager of a glass manufactory. Quote, they cannot well neglect their work. When they once begin, they must go on. They are just the same as parts of a machine. Unquote. Children's Employment Commission, Fourth Report, 1865, page 247. End footnote. Since the collective laborer has functions, both simple and complex, both high and low, his members, the individual labor powers, require different degrees of training, and must therefore have different values. Manufacture, therefore, develops a hierarchy of labor powers, to which there corresponds a scale of wages. If, on the one hand, the individual laborers are appropriated and annexed for life by a limited function, on the other hand, the various operations of the hierarchy are parceled out among the laborers according to both their natural and their acquired capabilities. Footnote. Dr. Urre in his Apotheosis of Modern Mechanical Industry, brings out the peculiar character of manufacture more sharply than previous economists, who had not his polemical interest in the matter, and more sharply even than his contemporaries Babbage, for example, who, though much his superior as a mathematician and mechanician, treated mechanical industry from the standpoint of manufacture alone. Ure says, quote, This appropriation, to each a workman of appropriate value and cost was naturally assigned, forms the very essence of division of labor. Unquote. On the other hand, he describes this division as quote, adaptation of labor to the different talents of men, unquote. and lastly, characterizes the whole manufacturing system as quote, a system for the division or gradation of labor, unquote, as, quote, the division of labor into degrees and skills, unquote, etc. Ure, pages 19 to 23, Passim. End footnote. 
Every process of production, however, requires certain simple manipulations which every man is capable of doing. They too are now severed from their connection with the more pregnant moments of activity, and ossified into exclusive functions of specially appointed laborers. Hence, manufacture begets, in every handicraft that it seizes upon, a class of so-called unskilled laborers, a class which handicraft industry strictly excluded. If it develops a one-sided speciality into a perfection, at the expense of the whole of a man's working capacity, it also begins to make a speciality of the absence of all development. Alongside of the hierarchic gradation, there steps the simple separation of the laborers into skilled and unskilled. For the latter, the cost of apprenticeship vanishes. For the former, it diminishes compared with that of artificers, in consequence of the functions being simplified. In both cases, the value of labor power falls. Footnote. Quote, Each handicraftsman being enabled to perfect himself by practice in one point became a cheaper workman. Unquote. Ure, page 19. End footnote. An exception to this law holds good whenever the decomposition of the labor process begets new and comprehensive functions that either had no place at all, or only a very modest one, in handicrafts. The fall in the value of labor power, caused by the disappearance or diminution of the expenses of apprenticeship, implies a direct increase of surplus value for the benefit of capital. For everything that shortens the necessary labor time required for the reproduction of labor power extends the domain of surplus labor. End of Part 4, Production of Relative Surplus Value Chapter 14, Division of Labor and Manufacture Section 3, The Two Fundamental Forms of Manufacture Heterogeneous Manufacture, Serial Manufacture